It's kind of a bright light, isn't it? <laughs> so, how much did you weigh? Eight pounds, eight ounces. <laughs> well, welcome to the welcome to the church family too. Protect your eyes. <laughs> well, let's all stand up and, or did you want to say something before we move on? This says it all right here. <laughs> she does. Hallelujah. Well, let's release the kids. Not you yet, Novella, but they're the kids to cl their class, and let's get up and let's greet each other in the Lord. Uh, we have our normal Wednesday. Uh, activities at the touch point at 9 a.m. and of course at 6 o'clock we have Amplify Youth Group, the kids activities, and men's group. Uh, as far as upcoming events go, we have a few things uh, coming up here. Uh, we have an Easter breakfast uh, from 9 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. on Resurrection Sunday, that's April 9th, and the worship service, of course, at 10 o'clock as usual. Uh, we have, uh, there's a freedom rally being hosted by the American Experiment on Tuesday, April 4th from 11 a.m. to noon in the Minnesota State Capitol Rotunda. Uh, there will be a motor coach for this Freedom Rally that's going to leave the Senex Station on the south side of Bemidji at 5.15 a.m. There will be lunch provided. Um, there are some other time stamps there that you can look at on the announcements online, I'm sure. Um, but that, uh, that will be $30 a person. Uh, if you want to know more about it, you can contact Carla Mandrell. Uh, we also have an announcement from Vicki. Um, we're looking for one or more people who can help a young, spirit-filled woman arriving from Singapore uh, who will be serving as a pediatric doctor in our community. Uh, she needs a place to stay um, until she gets an apartment for herself in the Bemidji area. Uh, she needs someone to help her with her driving skills. Um, she's hoping to get a car, and so she's also going to be looking for that. Um, looking to get a car, probably, uh, preferably on the cheap side, right? But something that works. Uh, more details are available. If you want to know more, she's going to be coming on April 11th, so not too long from now. Contact Vicki at the number on the screen. Um, and we did have, there's an announcement, uh, there was an announcement in the bulletin about the Jesus movie, and I was told this morning that uh, it is no longer, uh, the Jesus movie is no longer in the theaters, so um, don't be saying that we told you to go see it this week if, you know, it's not, it's not in theaters anymore. Uh, so you heard it here. A um, couple other things. Uh, I was handed this this morning and told it was going to be on here. Uh, there's going to be a men's prayer breakfast put on by the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship in America on Saturday, April 1st um, in the Beltrami Electric Conference Room. It starts at 8 a.m. Uh, a light breakfast to be served, rolls, fruit, and coffee. The speaker will be Justin Hoover, uh, who is the owner of Blue Ox Storage. Uh, so go to that. Good. And we have one other thing. Um, the... Uh, youth group here, Amplify Youth Group every year, they go, they attend a, a youth camp in the summer. Uh, I've been to it. It is uh, an exciting, very intense couple of days full of worship, full of games, and, and wonderful fellowship together. Uh, and so they will be, I think they'll be looking uh, today and in the next weeks to come because it's in the summer. Uh, to raise some funds to hopefully put together some scholarships for students to be able to go um, to kind of make that more affordable and accessible for students who may not be able to afford it. Um, and I'm told we have some sort of video, right? Awesome, awesome. All right. And you can talk to uh, Abby and Zach Bender if you want to know more about youth camp, obviously, and about uh, if you want to help out, you know with some funding, so good stuff. Uh, this morning, uh, in thinking about our, our offering and uh, our giving this morning, I was uh, just contemplating uh, 
the upcoming Easter season, right? The, the time we celebrate Jesus' resurrection, his, his coming, his being here and rescuing us from our sin and death. And uh, I was thinking about the season um, in terms of something I've been talking about the last few weeks. If you've been here, you know I've been talking about feasts, right? The feasts of the Lord. And we know that when before Jesus was going to go to the cross, the feast they were celebrating at the time was the feast of Passover, which won't be this week, but will take place next week. Uh, and the Feast of Passover is a celebration of the time when uh, Israel at one time was enslaved uh, to a people in Egypt, and they were rescued by their God. Uh, and I just wanted to think about that, that story for just a, a couple of moments this morning, because I, I think it's, it's really... Uh, I think it, just, it means a lot to me. I was thinking of more about it, and it really spoke to me this week. Um, in the story of Israel being captured by uh, Egypt, we are told about uh, an evil king. His name is Pharaoh. Uh, and Pharaoh, uh, we're told, uh, has set himself against the people of Israel. He sees the people of Israel living in his land uh, and he sees that they are doing well, that they have a beautiful land, that they have lots of uh, things that are, are going well for them. And he becomes, uh, we're told, uh, afraid. <laughs> He's afraid that the people of Israel become too powerful. And so he decides to make uh, a type of genocidal war against them. He brings death into their land. He takes their children and plans on destroying them. Enslaves the, the entire people. It's a, it's a terrible awful moment in the moment of, of this people, right? Uh, and we're told that God hears the, the groans, the moans, the, uh, the outcry of his people at this injustice, at this oppression um, from this evil king who sees this people. And what's interesting, I think, about the story is Pharaoh's motivation, right? He's this grand king. He's supposed to live in the most powerful country in the world, and yet... He oppresses others, not because he's powerful, but because he's afraid of losing his power. Um, and so what we're told is that God responds. <laughs> God doesn't let this injustice just pass by. He stands in the gap and he says, I have had enough of this injustice uh, in oppression. And so what we get is the story, the beginning of the story of Exodus is this interesting uh, battle you might say, between Pharaoh, who often would have presented himself to his people as a type of God, to his people, a king and a God were often seen as one of the same, and God himself. They stand face to face, and God says, all right, let's do battle together. Let's see how your power actually stands against me. And we're told that God brings about what are called ten strikes, or ten blows, as sometimes are modern English translations uh, say, call it 10 plagues. Uh, and each of these, uh, these plagues or these strikes, um, sometimes maybe as a modern reader can seem kind of random. They're things like locusts are sent or frogs come leaping out of a river, things like that. Uh, but studies have shown, uh, many scholars believe that each of these strikes are very intentional strikes, not just against the land of Egypt, but against Pharaoh himself and against things that Pharaoh would have seen as his power. The river was part of his power, the agriculture, the people he owned, his magicians, all part of his power. And each one is strategically struck against by God. It's like God is taking one by one, piece by piece, and showing this great Pharaoh, you think you're powerful. You think that because you can uh, prey upon the weak, that think you can take control over others, that that makes you powerful. And the God of this universe says, no, I don't stand for that kind of power. I stand in front of it and I say, in fact, your power is nothing. <laughs> it's all in my control. Anything that you think is your power is actually something that is mine. I am the true power of this universe. And the final strike, we're told, is a spirit of death washes through and actually comes over uh, Pharaoh's household itself. Um, but we're told that the spirit of death that falls on Egypt um, isn't universal. It does not fall on everyone who lived there. And it's were said that anybody who was 
listening. Anybody who had an ear to listen, not just the Israelites, but any Egyptians, any people in that land who were willing to listen to the voice of reason, the voice of truth, the voice of life, they were told that what they were supposed to do is to go find an innocent lamb to sacrifice it and to take the blood of that lamb and to put it on their doorposts, right? Put it on their doorposts and that they were to spend the night in prayer, to spend the night in a feasting, celebratory mood. <laughs> um, on a night of death, they were supposed to celebrate the life of God and the lifeblood would be on their door. And we're told that as that spirit of death came over the land, that it passed over all the houses and all the places where the blood was standing strong on those doorposts. Um, and all the places that didn't, obviously death was coming. And the message is more than just um, God is powerful. Um, but I believe the message uh, of the story is this, is that what Pharaoh thought he was doing by oppressing and bringing death to others is that he thought he was building himself up. He thought he was gaining something. But the message from God is clear. Whenever we try to take for ourselves, we actually lose something. When we, actually, when we try to create life for ourselves outside of him, we actually do the opposite. We bring death upon ourselves. It's this strange paradox to what it means to be human, where we're convinced that we can try to build our own base of power. We're convinced that these great kings and leaders of this world are what true power looks like. But God says, my power looks different. My power is always given freely, and it's always full of life and goodness. <laughs> and so today, in our uh, modern day and age, I think we still hear the voice of Pharaoh. I think he still is living quite strongly in our world. Uh, maybe you've heard it when you turned on the news or you looked at your phone, right? Um, there is a voice of fear and oppression in this world that says, I am the king. I am most powerful. I have true authority over America or over this world. Um, and it certainly seems convincing, doesn't it? This thing, all these things that we have to be afraid of. It looks kingly. It wears a crown, right? It even sits on a great throne, perhaps, in our world and says, look how much authority and power I have. Uh, but as I was thinking just about that idea, I, I had a picture in my mind of a great doorpost rising up above our world, above perhaps you might imagine it as America. <laughs> Post, a shore, a coast to coast, a great, great mighty post rising in that lintel beam going across the whole nation. And I saw that blood on that post, and it was as red and as vibrant and as alive as it ever was than the day that Jesus spread his arms out and sacrificed himself and gave it for us. <laughs> and that living blood is dripping off of that doorpost. And when it falls, when it places it hits, it reveals the truth that the authority of death and fear and darkness in this world is an illusion. The real authority is in the blood of Jesus. In every place those drops of blood fall, we find hope springing forward. We find people being revived and renewed in Jesus. We find people finding the life of God himself. And we're seeing it. We're seeing it, aren't we? I think even last Sunday we might say there was a drop of that blood falling amongst us, wasn't there? And I saw it the night my, my beautiful novella, Joy, was born, a drop of life and hope and goodness that I can hold firm to. So I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid for what my little Vela will have to face in this world because I know that my Jesus will be with her. So, Father, we raise that up in your name and we remember your goodness. We remember that even in the midst of darkness, those people in Israel, they were in the midst of slavery in the darkest circumstances. But Jesus, you are greater. You are the true authority, the true king. And you reveal, you peel back all the things that this world says are so powerful and so dark and amazing that, no, you, your goodness, your life that was given to us is the true power. And so, Jesus, we hold to that. We trust in that in, this, in these coming weeks. And we just pray that as we enter into this Easter season, we'd be ruminating on that, that we'd be holding firm and growing stronger walking forward in this world, knowing that you are with us. In your name, we pray. Amen. Oh, we're calling Dan up, right? Where's he at? He's going to be bringing some word to us about healing today, I hear. So be listening closely.
Okay, well, the message through the song this morning is God is good. And he is. And he likes you. And you haven't offended him. You can't offend him. You can't discourage him because he has an everlasting love for you. Um, Chris was going to type my notes last night. I told her, forget it. I had designed this really nice, you know what a wordsmith is? You kind of get your concepts and you got this really, you know, these, these cool things that connect. And it's, it's a masterpiece. Well, yesterday afternoon, like the Lord just laid a plow right through the middle of it. And I said, okay, it'll be that way. <laughs> They're just going to have to take over, and I think that's what he wanted anyways. Um, but the one thing that I, I was telling Chris last night, I said, and it's not our ability I was thinking back, it's funny how one particular year comes up in my mind, it's 1977. I was doing a, for part of the year I was doing an internship at Midwest Challenge. And um, first time I ever ran into someone that was really demon possessed or oppressed, where they were non-coherent and they were violent. And um, well, anyways, we were, we were having a little meeting with some, some of the boys. We lived right with them. And this one guy was just upstairs hammering power chords on his guitar. I mean, all day long. And uh, he came down, and um, he definitely was under the influence of demonic powers. And me being the Bible school student and kind of the counselor, it was, you know, first I had to get in there, and I didn't know what I was doing. Didn't know nothing about authority. I think I understood the name of Jesus, and... So I rebuked that spirit in Jesus' name, and he ran at me screaming. And he would have hit me, but his, hand, his arms were like flopping. And then the boys that were there, they tackled him. So our first deliverance session, we had three guys on top of him, and I don't know that they were real gentle. And uh, me standing there not knowing what to do, and then finally someone who actually knew what they were doing came in, and uh, he, you know, in deliverance, he, he, he shut everything down. And, um, I mean, this guy laid there on, like, on the ground, just totally still. Before that, he was kind of weaving like a snake. And he looked at me like, dummy, <laughs> it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I learned the lesson there in 1977 about the anointing breaking the yoke. You can come in with all of the prescribed applications and it ain't going to work in the flesh, right? Um, the other thing that happened in 1977, I had to write a paper. And uh, I was dealing with some things in my body. And a lot of people said, well, it's kind of, you know, could be psychosomatic. So I looked up the word psycho meaning mind, somatic meaning body. And I wrote a paper on psychosomatic illness in the Bible, and I don't have the paper. It's gone. Don't even remember anything about it, but just psychosomatic. And I realized that much, as I do, one thing I remembered about it was said that a lot of the illness that we have in, in our society is a result of psychosomatic. It's psychosomatic, in other words, the wrong kind of thinking produces fear, produces anxiety, produces all these different things, which then impact your body. For example, let's say you do have an organic disease. Well, if you're always worried and fearful and stressing out, well, you knock down your immune system and you've opened up a door, okay, uh, for your body to further deteriorate. Um, it was a personal search, plus I had to do the paper, okay? So, today, that's kind of the approach we're gonna be taking. Um, you know, 
Steve kind of said, would you speak on healing? And it, it would be very easy just to go to Isaiah 53, Matthew 8, 17, 1 Peter 2, 24, give you a dose of 1 John 3, 2, go over to Isaiah, or to, um, you know, Psalms 103 and maybe Psalms 107. Um, and a lot of us have prayed the prayer of faith. We've been prayed for. We've struggled with the physical ailment still in our body. Um, I, the reason I can speak on this is because I, I had decades where I suffered with, with a chronic illness. And I was healed miraculously. But how, what, the question I always had is how long did it stay because of my wrong thinking? So today, we're going to look at the Word of God regarding that. This isn't in the, uh, on the projector, but Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Keep them, or don't let them depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and healing to all their flesh. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to look at the screen with your eyes. I'm going to ask you to hear with your ears. I'm going to ask you to deposit the Word of God into your heart. And we're going to start with Matthew 6, of all places. You know, if you ever wondered about someone sitting down when they're preaching, Jesus sat down when he delivered this message. So, it's on good ground. You can sit and preach. Jesus did. Okay. Let's go. Gotta make sure we get the right verse here. We're going with Matthew 24 through 36. And I'm gonna read it in the King James. Not because I'm holier than thou, but that just the that's just the translation that I studied out of when I was young and I've memorized, and that's where I work, okay? That's where my toolbox is. Starting with Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than the meat? and the body than raiment. Behold the fowl of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father, Father feedeth them. Are ye not much more better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for the raiment, for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe thee, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
Take therefore no thought, take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Okay. Jesus said, don't take any evil or any anxious thoughts. They're really destructive. They mess you up. If you notice, you also have the power to choose. You have to take the thought. I like the illustration. I think I first heard it listening to a Derek Prince tape back in 1971 where he talked about thoughts. Thoughts come over us like birds. He said they'll fly over us. Okay, here comes one. Sometimes up when we're in Alaska, you had to be careful out on the field dock because they like to bomb you. But here they come. Okay, so you can allow that thought to land or you can shoo it off. Derek Prince says, thoughts are like the birds of the air. They'll fly over you, but don't let them nest. So... How do we make them? How do we let them nest? We embrace them by saying them. Oh, I just know that I'm going to have rheumatism just like my great-grandpa, you know. And uh, they don't have rheumatism. I've seen this. I I mean, I'm I'm not just making this up. I've actually seen people say, I'm going to have this because... It's in, my, it's in my genes. It's in my generations. My mom did something really unique. She looked at me one time and says, well, diabetes is not in our family. You'll never have that. My mom was not what you call a... She was just a very common person, didn't know her Bible. Very kind person. She's, no, you'll never have to worry about diabetes. And we don't ever have... Um, what was the other one? Uh, uh, Anyways, there was another, there was another particular thing that, that people have, um, oh, where your part of your stomach pops out. What? Hernias, yeah. So hernias do not run in our family. They don't. <laughs> Seriously. And they don't. And no one breaks bones in our family. So there you go. Never had a broken bone that I know of. Might have cracked one, I don't know. But anyways, taking a thought by saying it and also by meditating on it. You know, you take this thought and you bring it in and you pat it on the back and you you get frustrated with things and you feed the fire, you know. Well, that's how you take a thought. Um... The thing that I found that was interesting is that I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's like you can't, sometimes you can't fight a thought. Have you ever been there? You're just like, huh, oh, much as I'm fighting, you know, it comes back. Um, one thing I noticed is that in verses 25, 27, 28, 31, and 34, thought is talking, talked about. And what's unique about that is, um, That's the number of grace. So we need to totally rely on the grace of God to combat negative thoughts. Don't say them. Don't take them in for lunch. Don't have them for lunch. So with that, kind of laid a little bit of a foundation, we're going to go over to Isaiah. And... um, I guess I didn't mark it. Anyways, Isaiah 23 or 26 3. Is it up there? Not yet. Come on. Okay. This is a this is a very common verse. Just give a save for memory, but. Anyways, 
Here we got it. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Used to be an Andre Crouch song. Around that verse. That was good. But thou will keep him, God himself, will keep you in perfect peace. What's so weird about perfect peace? That's like saying shalom, shalom. It's emphasized heavily in the Hebrew. It's, uh, if we were to say shalom, shalom, what it's saying, it's just like God is saying, I'm putting this in italics. Or not in, in bold, I mean in bolded letters. I'm capitalizing the whole thing and I'm underlining it. I will keep him in perfect peace. His mind is stayed on me because he trusteth in me. Um, shalom. What does it mean? God will keep you in the fullness of wholeness, completeness, health, safety, harmony, and prosperity. So if you're dealing with sickness, God himself will be the one that brings wholeness to your body. And not just a little bit. In Psalms 23, it says, my cup runneth over. I can bring it right back to shalom, shalom. It's not God's just going to give you enough. He's going to let that cup roll. Jesus said in, in, um, in the Gospels, he said that he came that we might have life. But it wasn't just life. He said that you might have life and have it more abundantly. John 10, 10. Not just enough. God is not the God of just enough. He is the God of more than enough. So here's the question. You know, if you're fighting in your body with something, and I've been there, I know. You know, <laughs> I know what it's like to wake up in the middle of the night and say, man, I wish it was morning. And in the morning say, oh man, I wish it was night. I know what that feels like with pain and stuff. And God is saying, I am more than enough. I'm more than enough to make you whole. You know, in Psalms 139, it says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And then it goes on. He knows us. He made us. Ephesians 2, it says we are his workmanship. We are his poem. We are his song. We are his tapestry. In Psalms 139.16, it says the sum of our members are recorded in a book. That's pretty wild. Did you know, talking about the greatness of God, I better, I better make sure I get this right because this is just, this is just too far out. Um, the number of cells in your body, it's like 37.2 trillion. How do you even come up with that number? How can you even figure that out? And you know what? You can believe what you want, but I believe God has every one of those cells numbered. I think he knows exactly the molecules, all, the, all of the molecules that make you up, the atoms. He's that big. I mean, he can part the Red Sea. He can make the sands, the, the, the sun stand still. Isaiah, when he got into God's presence, said, woe is me. The angels are singing, holy, holy, holy. God's glory is all around him. And he realized, I'm small. I'm insignificant other than you've brought me here. 
And that's how we can feel sometimes, insignificant, small. But God knows us specifically what we need. Um, you know, it also says that, I guess we got he, um, the Heavenly Father knows everything, knows all of our need. We read that in, in um, Matthew 6. He knows our need. He's not surprised. He knows if you're fearful. He knows if you're worried. He knows if you're anxious. He knows if you're, you know, whatever thought is, 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 is a contagion in your body and messing you up. And he doesn't want that for you. You know, Jesus said, you're the light of the world. There's actually to the Jewish people, but you're the light of the world. A light to the world does not, gotta be careful here. You shouldn't look like the world. Let's just put it that way. You shouldn't be on Ativan and you shouldn't be worried and you shouldn't be crashing into walls and, and scared. You shouldn't. The other reason is you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. When Paul said that in Corinthians, the temple was like probably one of the eighth wonders of the world. It was fabulous. People knew all about that temple. They were fascinated with that temple until you know it was destroyed by Titus in 70 AD. But when Paul said that to the Corinthians, they understood what he was talking about. Plus, they had temples that were incredible to Diana. Diana of the Ephesians. That's you. But who inhabits you is even bigger than that. And uh, he wants to get out. He wants to shine through you. And he wants you whole. Well, we've got to get going here. So, if we would put up uh, Isaiah 26 again. It says, I will keep, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. So God's doing his part. Our part is to keep our mind stayed on him. To be stayed on means to Re rely on, to rest on. But the word mind there is yasar. And um, it means imagination. And isn't it curious that when Jesus was talking about not being worried about food, not being worried about raiment, he gave them a picture that they could look at and consider. He said, consider. That means with your mind, consider the fowl of the air, the birds. He said, look at the birds. Think about it. Today's language. Think about those birds. They don't sow and they don't reap, but your heavenly Father takes care of all of them. They don't have any needs. He can feed them. Okay? Then he said, consider Solomon. Or consider the lilies of the field. You're worried about raiment? Hey, look at those, look at those lilies. Did you know he said Solomon, who they probably had pictures of in the temples and stuff. He said, Solomon. He didn't compare to those. So, how do we wrestle this thing? How do we keep our mind stayed on him? Through our imagination. I don't know if you've ever been in a spot where things looked rough, and you can imagine everything possible going wrong. Have you ever been there? Well, this is going to happen next. I know it. I can just tell you it's going to happen. Uh... <laughs> Um, you need to use 
your God-given imagination. And you need to get into the Word of God. See, when you get into the Word of God, we reread, or we, we uh, quoted Proverbs 4.20. When you allow, or when you incline your ear, when you don't let the Word of God be removed from your eyes, it gets into your heart, and that's when you start thinking about it. Um, and that doesn't mean you, you walk around with your Bible like this all day. I, I didn't know people did that, though. Um, no, you take a verse and you think about it. I'll give you an example. Um, last night. Well, you know what? I'm going to give you a different example. I'm going to give you an example out of the Word of God. Let's go to Acts 16. We're going to go to the Acts 16, 23 through 26. Now, I want you to think about where these guys are and what's happening. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, that means a good old-fashioned beating, and it hurt, they cast them into prison. These aren't these modern-day prisons with nice beds and TVs. Charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, in other words, don't mess up on this, on this, you know, or you're in trouble. Having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison. That means there's prison and there's inner prison, and... It's dark in there, dank. Some people said there was probably sewage running through there. There are rats. And he made their feet fast in the stocks. Could you worry in that situation? I could. Oh my. God, I'm going to get, Heavenly Father, God, I'm, I'm going to get infection in my back from all of the disease and bacteria around me. I know I'm running a fever. Um, what's going to happen to the church? What are they going to think of us? We're in jail, you know? Uh, we're going to miss our next missionary journey. Um, man, my feet hurt. They're in these stocks, and I don't want those rats to start nibbling on my toes. And I don't want to get sick from all this sewage going around me. Man, I'm too young to die. I could die down there if they just forget about me. Did you worry? I could. <laughs> this is where, where the song part comes in. Actually, Isaiah 26.3 is part of the song of rejoicing for Judah. Music has a big part to play in our lives. It says, and at midnight... Not at 10 o'clock. Not at 9 o'clock. It's dark down there anyways. Paul and Silas prayed. I don't think they prayed a worried prayer. And they sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. In other words, they weren't going, Holy, holy art thou, Lord. They were, Holy, holy art thou, Lord. God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. They were singing. Sometimes, when you get worried thoughts in the middle of the night, you probably don't want to wake, you know, <laughs> people up in your household, but you can start singing about the glory and the righteousness of God. It's better to have that in your mind than to have some other ungodly thing going through your head that doesn't help anyways. Like I got a broken, I got a broken heart and a worried mind. I'm sitting here in prison doing my time. You don't need that. Or I'm badly broke, but I ain't, I'm badly bent, but I ain't broke yet. Those are old bluegrass songs. But anyways, you need the praise of God inside of you. That will spring up. 
that will keep your mind stayed on him. So during the day, you want to be putting good stuff in your mind. You might want to just take one verse. Say, Lord, you know I'm busy. I got to go to work and stuff. Will you give me one verse? And take that verse and just kind of let it keep going through your mind. Keep it. And every once in a while, just click over to that. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Well, okay. I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Maybe get the music to it, you know. Let it become part of you. Hear it. Find your ear. Pay attention to it. Focus on it. Don't let it depart from before your eyes. That doesn't mean you're staring physically at something, but you can have something in your eye without looking at it. That makes sense. I think it's the eye of your imagination, actually. And it's going to deposit in your heart. So, getting back to the very end of that verse, it says, because they trust in me. The difference between the world system, the kingdom of the world, and the kingdom of God is we trust God. So, here we have the the word of God. If you put this into practice, it'll change your life. Guaranteed. Because it's not me guaranteeing it. God says, I will. I will. I will keep him in perfect wholeness or her in perfect wholeness. I'll take care of it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the answer to every situation that we can possibly come up against. You care for us with a never-ending love. And Lord, we thank you for your patience with us. Because sometimes we're just stupid. And we need you. So Father, we ask a blessing on each one. We declare a benediction over everyone. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power that worketh in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm. Right nice. <laughs> it's good, Dan. And like you said, to be doers of it. And that's what we need to do. Yeah. Now you can know all about it. Yeah. 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 And I know that's the heart of which was the Lord was bringing through here today, that to be doing it. Mm-hmm. Not just a bunch of scriptures, you know. We can we can memorize all those scriptures on healing and still, still not receive the manifestation. Yeah. But this is a key. What Dan was talking about, what's in our mind, and and it's imagination, but like a creative imagination. Exactly. Yeah. That God has given to us. Well, for me. My imagination died quite a while ago. It's resurrecting now. But I got to the point where I couldn't imagine anything. And uh, so I'll take a piece of scripture like, um, you know, where Jesus, oh boy, we don't want to go too late, but where Jesus was with the disciples. And I'll imagine, I'll imagine myself being with him and the disciples, and I'm walking along, and Jesus curses the tree, and then I can see him do that. And then we walk back the next day, and that, cur- that tree is dead. And Peter says, hey, look, that tree is gone, you know? And, oh, yeah, okay. And Jesus looks at everyone and says, well, he says, and then I'm mixing another gospel into Mark. He goes, you know, if you had the, the faith of a, a mustard seed, you can say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, but believe those things that you say as they're coming to pass, it'll happen. And I can imagine looking at that mountain and going, uh, so Lord, can I just push mountains around? <laughs> and no, you can't do that because the faith comes from me. And uh, 
You know, that's, that's been a fallacy too. Like we think, well, we build our faith. We have our faith. No, we're given a measure of faith. God gives us faith. And um, if you don't need faith to move a mountain, you don't have it. You don't need it, you know. But then I can say, okay. But he said, what sort of things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them? Okay, I can believe that, you know, this and that and the other thing. But so often... You know, it's just like, I can see that in my mind now. I can, I can draw the picture. And I don't know how many of you are like, like I was. My imagination was just flat. Just, I didn't have it, you know. <laughs> and so that's what I'm doing to rebuild it. And I know that there's health, healing, and restoration occurring in my body, you know. No, I just had a thought, Dad. <clears throat> Hope is kind of connected with imagination, isn't exactly. it? Exactly, yeah. I mean, and faith is a substance of things hoped hope for. for. Yeah. But see, hope is important there, too. Yeah. I mean, it's what you see. It's like you were talking about, you can see beyond what you see. Yep. In the natural, you can see beyond what the circumstance is right now. You see beyond that pain that you were experiencing in your body. You see something beyond that. You see the Word of God? Yes. Which is, and He's eternal. The Word of God is eternal. Yeah. It's like... Uh, Amen. You see the Word of God and what He has said. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to do. Yeah. So. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So we receive that today. Amen. And we want to be doers of it. Anybody that would like prayer, please be free to come up here. Well, let's fellowship together, encourage one another, and Adana Maria, I believe, have a meal for us, and so we'll enjoy that together, but let's be doers. Next week, uh, we'll have communion together, and Kent and Chantal will be with us also next Sunday, Palm Sunday, Easter's in two weeks. You know what, Abby and Susan, could you come up, or maybe Zach too, but for sure, Abby and Susan rock. I need to talk to you just a second about Easter Sunday. Hallelujah. God bless you all.